And society as well has certain expectations, has certain standards to which they measure a father. There's certain ideas that a father is supposed to conform to, boxes to fit in. But what are those standards? To what do we measure a good and a bad father? Now, this is not a sermon only for fathers, and so I don't want mothers and children and singles to tune out this morning because we all have a heavenly father, and this sermon's about him. It's about who he is and how he leads and how he desires a relationship with us personally, each one of us. We are his children, we are his sheep, and he is our shepherd. And that sheep and shepherd illustration is used often in Scripture to correlate and to understand, to help us understand how God leads his children, how Christ leads his church, and how we as fathers lead our children. And so the title of the sermon this morning is The Art of Shepherding. And this morning I want us to see Jesus as a good shepherd as we lead, as we guard, as we provide for our children and the sheep in our care. Now, the role of a shepherd in Bible times was not a desired role. It was often uh, reserved for the youngest boy of the family. Remember, David was a shepherd. He was the youngest. And they were not viewed with respect and admiration as a, as a job title to be desired. And that mentality carries over today, maybe a little bit of a different context, but the role of shepherding as a father is not necessarily desired today either as we see abandonment, disownment of children and and neglect and disengaged parenting. And we need fathers. We need good shepherds to be what God has called them to be. So this morning, we're going to look at two texts, Psalm 23 and John 10, for the basis of the sermon this morning. So stand and recite or read with me John or Psalms 23. We'll start there. So everyone stand up. And either recite or read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You may be seated. And turn with me to John 10. I'm going to read the first 15 verses there. Psalm 23, a psalm of David, showing how a shepherd leads, how he cares for his flock in a physical sense, as he could speak into, and also as a spiritual sense. John 10 is going to be Jesus speaking of himself as the good shepherd. John 10, the first 15 verses. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Any stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, 
for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not the things they were, they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and he shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. The wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Three points this morning. Lead guard and provide, taken from Psalm 23 and John 10. The aspect of leading is probably the most recognized aspect of the role of a shepherd. As we understand the shepherd in the time of where Jesus and David would have spoke about, who went before his sheep, he leaded, leading them, directing them through the mountains to find grass, to the valleys to find water, to stay away from harm. And the sheep were totally dependent on their, on their shepherd. They wandered off easily. A sheep, if it ends up on its back, cannot right itself. And there's just many ways where a sheep is completely dependent on his shepherd. And sheep are herded. Or sorry, sheep are led. They're not herded. And that aspect is shown here in, in Psalm 23 and John 10. And there's a tour guide in Israel who was trying to, to display and to explain this aspect to a group of tourists. And he was saying how, you know, the shepherds, they go before their sheep. They're, they're calm. They're gentle. They lead them. They're, and all these things trying to tell these tourists how, you know, the shepherds do. And in the middle of his spiel, outside the tour bus, a flock of sheep ran past, and behind them there was a man running after him with a stick, yelling and shaking at him and hitting him, throwing stones at him, using his dog to herd them where he wanted to go. And obviously the tourists weren't, were no longer listening to the tour guide. So the tour guide jumps off and he chases after the man. He's like, what are you doing? You know, I'm here trying to tell these, you know, tourists, you know, all about this work of a shepherd and, and all this stuff. And then, you know, you're ruining my store here. And the man looks bewildered, and he says to the tour guide, I'm not a shepherd, I'm a butcherer. <laughs> a shepherd and a butcherer deal with sheep very differently. And why is that? What's the end goal? A butcherer is trying to put meat on his table, trying to provide for his family in that way. A shepherd, he cares for his sheep because they're his. It's his livelihood. They depend on him. And if we look at Jesus as a good shepherd, what's his end goal with us as his sheep? It's to restore us to a full relationship with God, to live with us someday in heaven. That's the end goal. And so he's going to lead us, he's going to direct us in a way that ends up with that end goal. Jesus said of himself in John 14, he said, In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, ye may be also. That's the end goal of the good shepherd, to restore us to a place of full relationship with him in heaven someday. And in, in the high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus says, speaking to his, to his father, that they may all be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent them. 
that's the end goal. That unity, that restoration of relationship because of the fall we have been separated from. That's the end goal. What about us as fathers? Is our end goal just to simply keep our children alive? It feels that way sometimes, but there's more to it than that. It's to, as the Psalm 23 says, lead in paths of righteousness, to, that way our children may grow up to be servants of the king. And there's a, there's a popular verse in Ephesians 6:4 that we quote often where it says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. But what's the end of that verse? But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's our end goal. And so we're going to lead our children in a way that will fulfill that end goal. Just like a shepherd and a butcher lead or guide very, very differently. How do we lead? We lead in front, not from behind. And the aspect of the butcher and the shepherd illustrates that. A shepherd goes before. He leads his sheep. The sheep follow the shepherd. They know him. A butcher, he runs behind them. He chases and tries to herd his sheep. So how do we herd or how do we chase our children versus lead them? And I believe a, a way that this is done is, is that, that hard-handed dictatorship, if you know what I mean, that you're going to do this because I say that, because of who I am. I'm your dad and you need to obey me. That's not leading. That's, that's chasing. That's, that's hurting our, che- our children. Raising our voices and threatening them is not leading by in front. We need to lead by example. And our actions need to line up with the words that we say. You know, that, 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 that very common phrase, more is caught than taught. And that's true. You can say all the right things, but if your actions don't match up to that, your children are going to miss it all. And can we echo the words of Paul as we speak to our children? Follow me as I follow Christ. They should be able to do that. And if they follow, it should lead them to the cross. It should lead them to Jesus Christ. So we lead by example. We also lead by caring. People don't, know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's true for a relationship in the church. It's true for our children. And you can know all you want. You can read all the books about parenting, whatever it may be. But if your children don't know you care for them, they're not going to care a bit about what you know. But do our children know, gone a shadow of a doubt, that they are loved, that they are cared for, that they are cherished, that they are accepted? Until they know that all the advice you try to shove down their throats isn't going to mean a thing to them. We also lead by knowing the shepherd knows his sheep, and the sheep know the shepherd. That's in a physical sense, it's true in a spiritual sense. And if a stranger would try that exact same call that the shepherd had, it wouldn't work. The sheep would run because they don't know. Fathers, we need to know our children. Be intentional about spending time with them, building relationships, knowing our sheep, knowing our children. They should know us, and we should know them. And there's that mutualistic relationship there again. And when they know us, then we can lead. But what are we leading to? We can be good leaders, but what, was, what are we leading to? The shepherd of, of David's time and, and Jesus, they knew where the green grass was. They knew where the still waters were. And they needed to lead the, shepherds to, the sheep to that. We have this idea that the sheep are raised in farmland, because that's how we're used to um, sheep around here. But in Palestine, that was not the way it was. Farmland was precious, and you didn't want your sheep destroying your crops. And so the sheep were raised in the wilderness, in the desert. And so when we think of being led to green pastures, we, f- we picture this nice high alfalfa field that's green and lush, and we're just, like, we're just content, you know, that's the green pastures. But that's not, the, that's not the mentality, that's not the picture that's being painted here. 
In Palestine, in the desert, there's very, very little rain. And a lot of their moisture comes from humid air that would blow through. This humid air would collect on the rocks, it would drip down. And in, beside the rocks, little grass would spring up. And so the shepherd had to go before his sheep and scout out the mountainside, find where these green pastures were. That's what David's talking about. And then he would lead his sheep across, and they would graze that mountainside, and they'd go on to the next mountainside. The sheep didn't worry about their next mouthful. They didn't worry about what was coming in half an hour. The shepherd provided what they needed in the moment. And I don't know about you, but my relationship with Jesus Christ is not that alfalfa field that we talk about. He leads us. We have to continue following. We need to trust the shepherd for what he gives us right now. Not worrying about tomorrow's biteful. Not worrying about the pastures of tomorrow or next week. The shepherd's going to provide for what we need right now. And that's how it was in David's time. And it's just a different picture we think of of the green pastures today. But green grass, and if you compare that to the weeds and stubble that we could eat or feed our children, the green grass is nourishing, it's fulfilling, it's lasting, and the weeds and stubble would be you know, exactly opposite. And no, I'm not talking about what's on the dinner table tonight or this afternoon, but what are we leading them to? The green grass, the word that is there. We need to lead our children to it, though, but it's there, it's nourishing, it's lasting. Think about the music they listen to, the other, the other books they read, and, and the stuff that they watch. Is it green grass? Is it nourishing our children? The weeds and stubble are pretty much the exact opposite. And the world is ready to feed our children all kinds of stuff. And that's the easy way out. Kick back, let the world take over. Society, they will pump our children full. They will feed them. They're more than willing, a little too willing at times. Are we feeding our children? Are we leading them to that green grass? The still waters, a sheep, they're scared by rushing waters. That sound frightens them. And so when you think, think of still waters, think of that quietness versus the rushing waters of noise. Calm versus chaos. Safety versus danger. Peace versus anxiety. And rest versus stress. That still waters. We need to lead our children to them. And I think our still waters can be our homes. Our homes need to be a place where our children feel confident, where they feel like they are trusted, where they feel like they belong, where they can come and they can rest, they can feel calm and peace. That needs to be our home. And our children are created with thirst, a thirst for love, a thirst for attention, a thirst for belonging, affirmation, encouragement. That's put there. And fathers, we have what's inside to fulfill that need. It's not things, it's not stuff, it's us and we need to fulfill that need in our children. Psalm 23 and verse 4 talks about the rod and the staff. These are instruments that a shepherd would have used. A rod was a shorter, thicker club. Its uses would have been to help you know, prod the sheep along, to go where they needed to go, to defend the sheep, to protect them. A little more firm in nature compared to the staff, which was a longer stick with that traditional curved hook on the end, used for guiding, directing, rescuing, a little more gentle. And the aspect of discipline in the rod and the staff, um, we could read verses from Proverbs like thirteen fourteen, where it says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And the Proverbs are full of verses like that. Encouragement to parents that we need to do that discipline. And also warnings of what would happen if that does not, if the discipline does not happen. 
But there's an interesting phrase in Psalm 23, verse 4, speaking of the rod and the staff, it says, they comfort me. Now understand that's the English uh, translation of that word. But if I would be penning that psalm, I would probably use different word choice, like that rod and the staff, they guide me, they correct me maybe, or they pursue me. But the word comfort, it's an interesting word. The Hebrew word is nakim. And it's translated comfort and repent a bunch of times in the Old Testament. So there's an, ele- there's an element there of repentance. The rod and the staff, they correct, yes. So there's a repentance there, but also there's a comfort. And then when those two words come together, it's a beautiful picture of the security, the safety that is there when the rod and the staff are used. And so discipline equals comfort, as we see. It equals safety. It equals structure and love and care. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. But in order to lead well, fathers, we need to be led, first of all, by the good shepherd. In order to be a good shepherd, we need to be a good sheep and follow Jesus Christ. David begins Psalm 23 with the claim that the Lord is my shepherd. Claim him as your own. Make it personal. Submit to him and he will lead. Allow him to guide you to those green grass and those still waters. And if the discipline comes and the rod and staff that come, let it, let it mold you. Let it shape you into a clear picture of who Jesus Christ is. Leading well, leading like the good shepherd. And then the aspect of guarding. We know this was a, a part of the shepherd's care. Remember David when talking to Saul at the battle with Goliath. He said he killed the lion and the bear. These were very real, real ways that the shepherd was involved in the life of the sheep. It was not your average walk, you know, calm and quiet. There was, dis- there was pressures and the mountains were dangerous. But John 10 illustrates the good way that the shepherd, he leads and he protects and he guards his sheep. And there's, a, there's two things that I, that I pulled out from here, that G, how, how Jesus guards his sheep. There's the aspect of he's a door, and so he's the filter to the sheep. But there's also a way that Jesus protects his sheep from outside forces. So first of all, that, that door, that filter to the sheepfold. To get to the sheep, you either went through that door, that single door, or, as we know, they climbed over the, over the wall, as others would try to do. The thieves and robbers, they come with two purposes, kill and destroy. That's all they want to do, and they're going to do it if they can get in. And fathers, we need to recognize that the devil wants our children. There's a target on our backs, and we must be aware, we must be watching. John 10, 3 talks about a porter. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. So the porter would choose who comes out, who goes in. And he would stay there. When the shepherd came, he called his sheep out, and the rest of the sheep stayed in. But there's this idea of a porter. He oversaw the sheep during the night when all the sheep were together. And he laid in the door. He watched over the sheep throughout the night, and the shepherd would come in the morning. And fathers, that's how we are to our children, to our homes. We are that filter. We stand in the door. We choose what comes in. We choose what goes out. That's part of our role as a shepherd. And this idea is closely related to the weed and stubble that I talked about earlier. But what comes in? The toys that they play with, the music they listen to, the books they read, the influences that we allow upon our children, it's up to us what comes in that door. And we are responsible for whatever our children interact with. And because God has placed these children in our care, and it's our responsibility to watch that door, to open to the good, and to block out the bad. It's that filter to our children. But there's also an aspect of outside forces who want to come in 
climb over the walls and get our children, to get our sheep. And the devil knows this. Families form churches. The devil's against the church. If you can get the families to fall, the church will fall. The devil is after our children, is after our families. And so walls are necessary in the, for sheep to protect them from the thieves, the robbers, and other outside forces. But walls need to be maintained. They're not a once-and-done item that's built. And others are going to climb over. And so, Father, we need to build strong walls around our family to protect them and to guide them properly. But some are still going to try to get over that wall. They're going to try to climb over whatever wall that we are going to build. And how does this happen? It can happen in many ways, and I think one is, is through the devices that our children come in contact with. We can have blockers and monitors on, but there's going to be ways that they can get through that wall that we can build around our children. And while we can maintain to a certain degree what comes into our homes, there's some we cannot. And that's, that's one way. And also another way is in the minds of our children, where the devil can warp their thinking to place doubts there, to place fears there. And they're going to get over that wall, and we need to be on, be on the watch out for that. And the devil, he longs for any kind of foothold he can gain into the lives of our children. And in the lives, and their mind is one way. John 10, the last few verses there, talks about a, a shepherd, and he compares that to the hired man. Jesus said, as a good shepherd, he lays his life down for the sheep. Whereas a hired man, he runs. The first sign of pressure, the first sign of attack, the shepherd faces that attack. He says, no, not on my watch. I will protect my sheep. These are my sheep. I'm going to do all I can. If there's someone who needs to take a hit, it's the shepherd. The hired man, he flees. He turns his back and runs. They're not his sheep. He doesn't care for them. He doesn't care what happens to them. Fathers, we are shepherds. Our children are our sheep. We are responsible for them, and they rely on us and are dependent on us. We cannot ride. We we cannot run. We cannot hide. We are the shepherd. But guarding sheep requires a few things. It requires vigilance on our part as a, as a shepherd. It requires a sharp eye, a watchful eye. Being intentional about what our children are involved in. Not ignorant. Not that classic picture of the, the man who comes home and hides behind a newspaper on the recliner. That's not the vigilant father and shepherd we're talking about. Invested in the lives of our children. Knowing what they're watching. Knowing what they're listening to. Knowing what games they play. Whatever it is. We need to be watching and it's, we need diligence to do this. This is not going to happen as we sit on our recliner. We need to be active in the lives of our children. We need to be involved in their lives. But it also re- requires foresight. We cannot afford to go through lives playing catch-up with the devil wrecking havoc on our children. If, you're a, if your form of fatherhood is damage control, you're going to lose some sheep. We need foresight. Recognize the weaknesses in our children. Recognize where the attacks come from. And plan accordingly. It's important. But you can have all the vigilance you need. You can be the most diligent watch, watchman and have great foresight. But even that's not enough. Psalm 127.1 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh in vain. Fathers, we cannot do it on our own. No amount of grit and determination is going to guard and protect your sheep as you should. The Lord needs to watch our sheep as well. Pray for protection. Ask God for that foresight, that understanding in the lives of our children, and that we can be good protectors. And together, the sheep, which is our children, will be kept safe. Leading, guarding, and also providing. 
There's three ways we can provide for our children. The first one is the physical aspect, one that we know well. And there's verses like 1 Timothy 5, 8. But if any provide not for his own, especially for those in his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. We, we grab verses like that and we say, yes, I need to provide. But fathers, that does not provide you a license to become a workaholic. And oftentimes we overestimate, I overestimate what I need to provide for. Does that make sense? We, we overestimate what we actually need to provide. And so in an attempt to provide for the sheep, we actually sacrifice them in our attempt to provide for them. As we overexert ourselves and overwork ourselves, we sacrifice the very ones we seek to provide for. David, as a shepherd, would have needed to provide water and food for his sheep. He would have helped to shear the wool, provide for them in a physical sense, and also healing any wounds that the sheep would encounter, aiding in birth. And, and there's many, many other things that a shepherd in the life of his sheep would have been involved in. Pretty much every aspect, the sheep, again, are dependent on the shepherd. And fathers, our role as a, as a father is actually very similar to that. And it's a good parallel because we need to also provide the necessities, the food, the water, the clothes, medical attention when it arises, education, and the list goes on. We know what that goes into. But our children need so much more than just food and water and clothing and a house and an education. They also need a spiritual food. We need to provide for them in a spiritual sense where we train them in the ways of God. We talk to them about spiritual things. We help them see how God's working in their lives and in the lives of those around them, showing God at work. And when the, answers, when the questions come, providing quality answers, providing proper answers, leading them to the source, leading them to Jesus Christ and the Word. Fathers, we need to provide for them spiritually, but also emotionally. And this too often gets overlooked, and we tend to shy away from the emotional needs of our children, while these are also needs. Society tells us, fathers, that, you know, that's, that's the, the mother's job. And while they do a good job, we also need to provide for our children in a, an emotional sense. I talked earlier about the thirst that our children have, that thirst for love and for attention, for belonging and affirmation and encouragement. And that's, that's very true. The Mental Health America is a national organization that seeks to promote good mental health across the nation, and they do so in providing services and education and research and policy making. But then, and they also have a list. And I'm going to read this list to you that they say provides good mental health for children. They say unconditional love from family, self-confidence and high self-esteem, the opportunity to play with other children, encouraging teachers and supportive caretakers, safe and secure surroundings, and appropriate guidance and discipline. And that's an interesting list coming from a secular source of what they deem necessary to fulfill the emotional needs of a child. And I think it's just very clear that providing as a shepherd, providing as a leader, as a father, goes way beyond just bringing home that paycheck. There's so much more. And the devil wants us to think that. He wants us to, to put our time in, and when we come home, we prop our feet up and we say, Hey, I did my time, I provided, I'm a provider. And now I'm going to prop my feet up and let the wife worry about the little skirmishes that come up. And we disengage from the fight. We pull ourselves out. We need to provide physical, spiritual, and emotional needs of our children. And we cannot just succumb to the temptation to just simply relax and give up. So fathers, there it is. 
That's the example laid forth by Jesus Christ in Psalm 23 and John 10. The good shepherd, he leads his sheep to green pastures and still waters. He leads them in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He guards his sheep. He's a filter. He protects from outside enemy forces. He provides physical, spiritual, and emotional for his sheep. So that's it. But unfortunately, no amount of trying, no amount of determination, no amount of desire to be the good shepherd, we cannot do it. There is nothing inside of us that can produce the qualities of a good shepherd. Our best, our best effort will be looked upon as a filthy rag in the, in the eyes of God. And we saw from Psalm 27 that unless the Lord is involved in building and watching, we work in vain. We are destined for failure as fathers. And God knows that because he designed us. And he also never intended for us to do that on our own. We are not intended to create the good shepherd inside of us. That's not our purpose. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The very one who leads you, the good shepherd, is inside of you, producing the things that he is calling you to do as the good shepherd. And he will not fail. He is inside and he will lead us. He will provide for us all that we need. And all that is asked of us, all that is required of us as shepherds, as fathers, as leaders, as protectors, as providers, God has provided for us in Jesus Christ. And he has given him to us to be all that we have to design to be. That's the promise that we can hold on to and the truth that is there. In conclusion... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We should all be able to echo that, no matter who you are here this morning. Claim him as your shepherd and submit to him and allow him to lead and direct our lives. Jesus Christ, he is the good shepherd. He leads, he guards, he provides. And fathers, like our good shepherd, we too need to lead by example. We lead by caring, we lead by knowing our sheep. We lead them to green grass and still waters. And we lead them to paths of righteousness for Christ's name's sake. And fathers, we use our rod and our staff like Christ to comfort, to guide, to discipline. And we guard our children. We build those walls. We maintain those walls. And we watch those walls, exercising vigilance and diligence and foresight. Yes, we provide the physical necessities of our children, but we also provide spiritual direction, spiritual assistance, and the emotional needs of our children. But praise God, we don't have to do this on our own strength. We're not called to. We're not designed to. We have all the promises of God are found in Jesus Christ. He is working them inside of us. And he is helping us do all that he has called us to do. Yet not I, but Christ in me. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for being our Father. And on this Father's Day, we say thank you and we praise you. But Lord, may that be every day. And as we look at your role as a shepherd in, in our lives and in the lives of the church, and we recognize how you lead and how you guard and how you provide for us over and over and over again, never failing us, never forsaking us. 
And then, Father, we recognize that you are calling us as fathers to do that same shepherding in the lives of the children that you have given us. And, Father, the roles and responsibilities that you have called us to be as fathers in our homes is daunting at best. And we need your help. We need the good shepherd inside, living and producing those things which you have called us to do in the lives of our children. And Father, I pray that each one of these fathers that stood before you this morning would remain faithful to your calling and your role that you have placed upon their lives. And Lord, would you be honored, would you be glorified as we lead, guard, and provide for our families. In Jesus' name, amen. The song is right.